the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is The Boys of Tech, episode 233 for Thursday the 19th of September 2013. It is indeed a midweek update. I'm Edwin Herman and I'm joined by, first of all, Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hey, hey. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. Your week going well so far? So far. Excellent. And also we have, in fact, we haven't had uh, three panellists for a while. We do this week, and the third panellist is Ben Sonko. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Ed. It's good to be back. Oh, it's good to, to have you back. And I thought we'd do this midweek update because there's been uh, quite a few stories uh, during the week. And wanting to kick off with Twitter's announcement of an IPO. Yep, they think they can mm. do it. They think they can uh, list on the stock exchange and... Mm. I guess shareholders perhaps could make some money. <laughs> who's gonna Who's gonna buy Twitter shares? Where are the earnings? Like, what's their income stream? Advertising. Uh, they They nobody knows. It's It's no, sealed. No, no, it's advertising. Are you sure? But advertising yep. where? Don't most people use an app? Uh, yeah, but they're sponsored tweets. That That's the thing. It's not It's not web. It's not banner ads or anything like that. We're talking sponsored tweets and stuff. So they've. Uh, the 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 advertise most of Twitter's revenue is from advertising, and estimations are that they'll generate five hundred and eighty million US dollars in ad revenue this year, uh, and it's and it certainly was two hundred and ninety million uh, last year. Sponsored tweets meaning unsolicited people sending you a tweet saying, "Hey, Coke's really good. You should drink some." Kind of, except they're not that blatant. Uh, but yes, you're right. But they, they usually, you know, we're talking smarter stuff like, you know, so so when a, so so when like a famous person tweets about a product, it's actually Twitter that's organised that. No, and no, they're no, getting no, a cut no. Of it. Oh, no, no, no. It, it actually comes from the, you know, like Coke USA or something. But how so it, it, sits how you, it, it, it sits in your so Twitter. It's unsolicited, or yeah, you can call it that. Yeah. I've uh, never seen one of those. It sits in, yeah, no, I've seen them. It sits in your Twitter feed. So if you look at your feed, every now and again, you'll see something. Because I notice them because I think, why am I following this company? Oh, oh, I see, sponsored to it. Yeah, that makes sense. I've never seen that. Mm, I've seen about two or three. Okay. Yeah. Um, so look, that's one way. I, I don't know what else they do specifically. I haven't looked into the details of Twitter, but certainly sponsored tweets are, are certainly a big Big revenue spinner, and that's advertising. Okay, like yeah. Facebook, I get so really, it. Really, it's it's you know. them putting themselves forward so that you can buy a share in a company that makes money from just advertising. Pretty much. Well, I guess the real like value is just in its in its um, like its perception, really, isn't it? It's a tool that people use. The value is that people put value in it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So it's it's user generated. Users. It's user generated content, isn't it? Yeah, if everyone stopped using it, it would have no value. Oh, exactly. Like YouTube, if everyone stopped going to YouTube, there'd be no no value. I mean, that's Google, but you know, there'd Although be no YouTube's advertising. Starting to 
YouTube's probably starting to own some of the media on it now. Is it what it like? What if it's got sponsored channels? Do yeah, yeah. Oh, YouTube got, own yeah. that content in itself? Oh, I'd be surprised yeah. if they own own it, but I think there'd be a deal there. So they probably do. Like the the stuff they've paid to have made, they probably do own. Hmm. They are YouTube is it is in itself a producer of the content that it some of the content that it shows. Yeah. So anyway, back to Twitter. Who's going to be buying shares? Ben, Brad. I don't use Twitter. Uh, I, I see no reason. Well you, to don't, you, well, you don't need to use Twitter to buy shares. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no shares for you. Uh, not really. It does not interest me. What about you, Ben? No. 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 Okay. I'd How about you? You actually use it. <laughs> I'd look at it, but I, I don't know. I, I, I look. It's it's not my money. I, I have talked to to my wife about that, but I'd consider it. The thing is, the question is, is it going to do what it did with Facebook and dip under the IPO offering for goodness knows how many months before resurfacing? And would it resurface? I mean, unless, unless they've got something pretty, pretty revolutionary stuck up their sleeve, I can't see a long term plan for the company. Three years, maybe I could see. I could see them doing really well over the next few years. You know, a bit of growth. But after that, I can't see it carrying on. So, if you bought them, it would be for the shortest term gain. I think, like to get rid of them as quickly as possible. Mm. I don't think it would be one you'd want to sit on. What I kind of like about this is Twitter's all grown up now. That's what it means. Twitter's all grown up. <laughs> so, um, filing for a public IPO is, is is how you grow up. Trying to sell itself well, for money. <laughs> Twitter's, yeah. Twitter's writing the poll now. <laughs> I don't know. It, it kind of makes me feel good somehow. I don't know why. Anyway, um, Kim.com is set to sue the New Zealand government $6 million. That's fair enough. Now, <laughs> it, it, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, it's going to obviously cost taxpayers if he wins because, I mean, you know, what, where's, where does the government's money come from? It comes from us. But he did say he's going to give much of that to charity. I think the the, the symbolism of itself is worthwhile. Yes. Um, the, the government should not have done what they did. They need to be punished. They don't really care about a lot of other things. Monetary punishment is as good as anything so, else. So really. is, here's the thing, though: is it constructive? Because the government's acknowledged it did wrong. They've they've said, you know, John Key had to was well forced, but well, he apologised to New Zealand. Wow. He was forced to apologise. They've acknowledged they've done wrong, and all they've done about it is change the law so that what was illegal is no longer illegal. Yeah, their admission of doing wrong is okay. You caught us. Rules, it's our ball. The rules are changed now. They don't count anymore. <laughs> it's not really like, I'm sorry. It's, well, I'm sorry you caught us. That's the only thing we're sorry about. I'm trying to stay uh, apolitical on this because, of course, this podcast is apolitical. But, um, yeah, look, that's, that's one viewpoint. Absolutely. The question, though, I still have for you is, is it in the best interest of New Zealand? Is it going to, uh, is, is it a good thing to, to... Was the GCSB spying legally on people in the best interest of New Zealanders? No. Did they do anything about it? No. Is this potentially going to get something changed? Yes. Then this is in the best interest. I agree. I'd much rather see the money spent somewhere else, but... If this is the only way you get acknowledged, then this is what you have to do. Here's what I'd rather have. If Kim.com sued the government for $6 million and then turned around and said, I'm going to give every person in the country $1.50, and that's roughly $6 million worth, 
I think I, I'd kind of well, charity's a good thing too. I, I, I shouldn't. I, well, but the problem with that is it probably costs more than a dollar fifty to deliver that. Oh yeah, it would. He could give everyone a free hundred gig mega account. There you go. <laughs> All righty. I wouldn't use it, but anyway. Uh, look, let's leave that story there uh, before we, you know it, we get into the po- po- political <laughs> side of it because it is a, it is a very political story. Yes. Um, but let's let's talk about this cool skyscraper that's going up in Korea. It's a skyscraper that can turn almost invisible, uh, and it does that because what it when you're viewing the skyscraper, it has cameras facing you know behind it, and then projects that image onto the front of it. So when you're looking at it. It, it, it is basically of, a gigantic TV screen. Yeah. And it projects the images of what is occurring behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite it's, funny reading the article. You go, that's really weird. Why would why would somebody pay to build a building that can Because you, it is a you 450 meter tall advertising. <laughs> yeah, that's the next bit. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It, yeah. It what else can be it be used for? Yeah. Only it will be invisible for 10 minutes a day. <laughs> It can also yeah. be used to show ads. Yeah. Massive, yeah. massive yeah. ads. But, or, but, or to watch, you know, watch the World Cup on a really, really big screen. Yep. But regardless, though, I think you both agree, tech-wise, it's a cool piece of tech, right? It's a gigantic yeah. piece of tech. It, it, it's a very cool piece of tech. Um, it works on a, a, a concept of invisibility cloaks that's been around for ages. The bit that I found the funniest was the fact that this is being built next to an airport and we're going to hope that all of the pilots <laughs> that land at that airport are going to be, you know, well aware of the fact that, you know, how you're coming in to land here, sometimes there might be a hard-to-see <laughs> building in the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Watch out yeah. For the floating Coke can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, I, I just think it's really... I want to see this thing. When's, uh, when, when's it due to be finished? I'm, I'm just trying to find that date. I don't think I can... See that there, sure. but anyway. Uh, the other thing I wonder is, like, with all these screens and projectors on the outside, what does it look like from the inside? Like, are you just looking at <laughs> oh, the yeah, back of the Oh, yeah, from the inside, you can't see out. It's just, a, it's yeah. just, a, all you can see if you've got a window with a piece of glass is a whole heap of electronics. No, no, Brett, they might have the same technology inside. So there's cameras on the outside projecting screens on the inside showing you the really? outside. You think they would they would <laughs> double the price that that, 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 Exterior all you can see, all you can see is what people want to see. Just for the people inside the building? Well, you know I'm joking, of course, Brett, but it wouldn't <laughs> Maybe be they'll cool? set it up so all you can see is what the other people on the other side of the office are looking out at. So you just see each other looking in at you. <laughs> oh, that would be you- <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, man, you can have a lot of fun with this building. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely be a big tourist attraction. Yeah, oh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe if the occupancy rate's really low, they'll just project busy offices on the south side, so it looks <laughs> like it's really busy. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. But have you seen what they've got planned for putting inside it? A oh, water park, a forty, a forty cinema, a four, a four, a what? World, world's third highest observation deck. Well, explain to me what a four D cinema is. Is that smell? I'm guessing um, it's the motion ones, maybe. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Simply the motion ones. I assume because right. like traditionally 4D would be time, so it's just a movie that takes place over time. I think all cinemas are 4D. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're all 3D, really. They're all 3D. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And that, and yes. that, and that, you know, just the first two dimensions and then the fourth. But yeah, okay. So motion, interesting. I'm guessing it's that. 
Because mm. they have made those smell uh, cinemas, haven't they, where they release smells? Out oh, vents. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how. I'm just thinking, depending on the type of movie you've gone to see, that could be really horrible. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Imagine the Shawshank Redemption, oh, especially cool. that bit where he escapes from the prison by crawling through a rather clogged um, sewerage outlet. Mm, 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 smell a vision no. for that would not be pleasant. smell a vision. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that is the cool invisible tower that's going to get built in South Korea, 450 metres tall, as you said. All right, last world story, and then we've got a New Zealand story, and that is, of course, that Ray Dolby has passed away. And if you don't know who Dolby is, well, you shouldn't be listening. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. We'll be inclusive. <laughs> we'll, we'll be inclusive. We'll be inclusive. Right, Dolby, of course, founder of Dolby Noise Reduction and Surround Sound as well. Invented sound, Surround Sound. Mm. Held 50 patents. Yep, well, 50 Dolby US Digital, patents. I think mm. everybody's seen the double D symbol. Oh, absolutely. I still have that on my uh, cassette pl- I've got a car with a cassette pl- player in it um, still. <laughs> and no, you don't. It's not a docking station for an iPhone, by the way. I've seen a photo of a, a car with a cassette player and an iPhone stuck in there by some kids. Well, we we heard about uh, your TV at the start of the week, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> your 21-inch Oh, yeah, yeah my 21-inch. I've got a cap- <laughs> yeah, That's right, but you missed last, e- last episode uh, at the beginning of this week. We, uh, ben and I talked about uh, cur- this new curved television technology that's co- coming in. I said to Ben, look, I have, oh, I have a curved one, yeah. yeah, and I said to Ben, I have a curved television. It's a 21-inch CRT. Ah, yeah, but yours is convex. Yeah, cur- is curved the wrong way. We had that conversation as well. <laughs> as well. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, back to Dolby, though. Uh, he passed away at age 80, and obviously... Uh, a good effort. Sorry? Yeah, it's a good effort, yeah. Um, he had leukemia, I think, in the end. Is that right? Did I get yeah, that right? Alzheimer's uh, and then leukemia. That's a bit rough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Alzheimer's and then uh, acute leukemia. So anyway, obviously a real visionary um, in terms of uh, audio technologies. Audio technology, yeah. Mm. Amazing stuff. He shaped the soundscape that we have today. Absolutely. Totally. Totally did. And by the way, I was reading about uh, Dolby NR, Dolby Noise Reduction, how it works. What it does is it involves pre-emphasis of the high frequency. So in other words, the recording emphasizes, you know, boosts the, the treble. And of course, when you play back, it reduces the treble. At the same time, it reduces the, the noise, which is always going to be the same level. It reduces the noise. But compared to the original sound, uh, the noise is then reduced. There you go. Just a bit of useless information. Anyway, that is that is our world stories for this uh, episode. When we come back, a story about exams going online at one of New Zealand's universities. Don't go away. Alrighty, welcome back. Massey University has announced that it's going to offer online exams for students. They can going to trial online well, exams. Yeah, they're going to try. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite cool. They're at that point, though. Eh? I've just, I've just. It's re- quite interesting. I, I, I've just noticed a quote here that I jumped to um, <laughs> in the story. E-learning is a bit like teenage sex. Everyone says they're doing it, but not many people really are. And those that are doing it are doing it very poorly. I thought that's a kind of strange analogy, <laughs> but it is a very yeah. interesting analogy. <laughs> There you Hopefully go. that wasn't written by a 40-year-old man. Well, I think that that's <laughs> a quote talking from... Talking about teenage sex. I think sex. that's a quote from Professor Brown. It, it is Professor Brown at Massey University. That's his quote, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's how he he, he, liked, he describes the, the whole thing. Anyway, let's hope the experience is a good one. 
Let's hope this is good for Messi as it is for its students. This uh, system is going to because this is obvious. This system is designed to allow a person to sit these exams, um, exams and tests on their own computers at home. So that means uh, who's going to be providing everybody, every one of those students with um, the webcam, with internet capable of streaming the webcam? Because this is, you know, this is supposed to have real live supervisors watching you through the webcam to determine whether or not you've, you know, been looking away from the computer screen or have gotten up and left, as well as having technology that's supposed to be able to learn your keystroke patterns to determine whether or not you are using your keyboard in a way that is answering a question or using your keyboard in a way that is TDI. I don't know how that works, but it will be interesting to, and it's supposed to be a system that can lock down your computer to prevent you from doing anything else except this exam online via it. It's what this, you know, the explanation of this exam, online exam system is, is a piece of software that gets on your computer and takes control of your computer while you're doing this exam with somebody else somewhere else watching you through your webcam to stop you from cheating. Well, look, I think it'll be very interesting to see how long it actually takes for somebody to come up with a system which allows you to circumvent all of the protections on it and cheat. Well, I wonder, like, online thing that happens on your computer, therefore, (laughs) somebody out there is going to work a way of being able to cheat with it. Well, say you're not doing very well and you don't think you're going to do particularly well on the exam, set up a little signal, you're not doing well, you tap your foot three times, someone goes in, unplugs your router. Internet's gone, no more monitoring of your exam. But then possibly the... Unless the the, app does like offline reporting of it, that would be quite... Well, or... It it has to scary at the same time. Offline recording, but if it was the internet going out, as soon as it's gone offline recording, you once again have completely unmonitored access to your computer. Yes. And you would just need somebody who's come up with a, a piece of software or some system to circumvent that. Hell, you could probably come up with a system to circumvent it online, real time, using yeah, the, virtual machines. The, the thing is, you have to remember that if you're prepared to cheat in a university exam, you ah, have to. But we're you have talking to be pre- about a system that is also you, being thought to be rolled out for secondary school exams as well. Okay, okay, but let's, there is already big yeah, money in cheating online. Let, let, you know, let's exam just, just focusing on tertiary though. If you're prepared to cheat in a tertiary exam, you're prepared to give up a lot. The stakes are high. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, the thing is, I haven't been able to get hold of Professor Brown. I would like to. Why don't we see between now and our next show whether we can get hold of him and perhaps uh, ask him some of these questions. Indeed. It's Mm. an interesting system, definitely. How are they going to actually prevent people from, you know, concerted effort from cheating? Okay, aside from those concerns, conceptually, what do you think about the idea? You know, the, the fact that you can now, well, soon, you'll be able to sit an exam online rather than having to go into, you know, to a physical location. What do you think? I, Conceptually. I think it's got a lot of the same issues that cloud computing has, that we've talked about to death, internet going down and that sort of stuff. How is this going to go about that? If, yeah, yeah, but I think you know, those, I think those suddenly all those concerns... Down, am I going to have to resit an exam? Am I going to have to make another time? Okay, but I think all those up. concerns and risks are, are valid, but they're low. It's like 
you know, cloud computing is, is a good example. Yes, those concerns exist, Brett, we know that, but people are still opting for cloud computing and they know those risks because the risks are low enough. They say, well, yes, that's fine, we're cool with that. And yeah. I think this yeah, is the same until, thing. Until they get hit with one of those risks in the exactly. real world. It's, it's, and then it's all well and good to so go their very low risk until it happens yeah. and you have 100 students who are going, but do I now have to redo that entire exam? Uh, am I going to have to learn some, you know, study for something different because you're going to have to change all of the tests? Because we've I mean, already one of done. The classic it. examples would be Sony. Sony has a website where they sell a lot of services. It's a hell of a lot more convenient if you store your credit card on the Sony website because you can buy things quicker. That doesn't work when the Sony website gets cracked and all the credit card gets leaked. That's a bad situation. But the risks were low. You know, that sort okay, of thing uh, is just okay, a process. <laughs> Would, would you be saying, if, if we were talking about, if we were like 15 years ago talking about online payments or, or ordering items online, you, you'd, you'd, you could bring up these same concerns. Oh, what if it goes offline and you can't buy your stuff? What if someone hacks your credit card details, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, they're all valid. And we all accept them these days. And that is the way things are. When you buy a flight, you buy them online now. You don't go into the travel agents. And I think this is kind of the same thing. Yes, you've got valid concerns and risks that you've said. I think they're absolutely valid. But I think they're low enough that we will just go this way. Students will be sitting, well, well at least distant students, will be sitting their exams online. And I think that's the way I it's going to we'll, go. I think we'll get there, but I don't know how keen I'd be to be in the first few waves of it. And, and that's a fair comment, no. Ben, as well. I, I agree. You know, I do agree with that. That's that's a very, very fair comment. Tell you what, let's, let's see. We also have to remember the, the, the groups of people who are going to be putting setting up the technology behind this sort of system uh, and these sort of systems and knowing that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people will be sitting exams. What sort of system is that stuff actually going to be running on? How many supervisors are actually going to be watching? At the moment, you've got everybody in a big room, so you only got one, maybe two supervisors looking over the entire group. Yeah, but you Now have, we're going to yeah, have know, people but, individually yeah. with a webcam pointed at you. How much actual time is an actual supervisor oh, going to Oh, I know, you? but there's going to be a cost-benefit analysis done. And don't forget that online courses are far cheaper to deliver anyway, so that's going to be offset compared to your, your people who are coming in anyway. But look, and let's this see. is for rurals as well, I imagine, for rural people that can't really get to a oh, okay. central right. place. Yeah. I'd, I'd assume well, that would be a big is, part of the market. Not really from what I've read from this article is uh, the you know it's going to be studied by the New Zealand Qualifications Authority this trial because they are looking to convert NCEA secondary school exams to but they have a lot of rural sort of schools as well that would be quite expensive to get a third party supervisor in or I don't know if they're allowed to use their own teachers I don't see in any way in anywhere other than the fact that Massey mentions that they do a lot of you know, online uh, distance courses now, anywhere that it says that the, that's only what the NCEA is looking at. From I don't think it'll be only. By just, this is they're looking at doing this for all students. Um, I, I would imagine they wouldn't be going straight to all of them. They would, they'd, if they're going to phase, they'd phase it in slowly, you'd think, and... Well, you'd also think that phase Nova Pay in slowly, but they didn't. But um, well, you yeah. assume that they would sort of. <laughs> they're slowly. Oh, the you had to say Nova Pay, didn't you? It's only eight years. Okay, look, yeah. tell you what, do, shall I try and see if we can get hold of Professor Brown? Mm. Let's, let's ask yeah. these questions. These are all valid questions. Let's see if we can actually 
hear from him so we, or, or one of his, his, his team. One thing we do not need is a Nova Pay debacle for our NTAA exam. Oh, yeah, I know. I know, absolutely. Look, <laughs> look let's, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an effort to, to get hold of Professor Brown, invite him onto the podcast, either him or someone from his team, and uh, we'll put some of those questions to him. Uh, I think we should probably leave it there, though, for this week. Uh, Brett, I want to thank you very, very much for co-hosting. Always a pleasure arguing with you, Ed. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a blast. And Ben, thank you once again for doing the show. Oh, cheers, Ed. It's good. Excellent. And we'll do it again uh, come next week. Until then, take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.